The first time I met Moira DeLanth, I was engaged to be married. Despite the rumors, even men have fairy tales. This is my fairy tale, and it involves, as any good story does, the love of a woman. It all started quite innocently. I was studying printouts of brainwave readings in the little corner of a sterile-looking room that I was allowed to call my lab. I suddenly noticed that I was alone and glanced up at the clock. 8.36 p.m. The upshot to working a national holiday was that I had the lab completely to myself. I was surprised that my fiancée, Ella, hadn't already phoned me twenty times to make sure I'd be home in time to make it to tonight's fireworks. I was glad for the inattention. However, my eyes burned from staring at a computer screen for six hours and from reading Victorian romance novels for another five. Doctoral work was not supposed to involve this kind of eye strain, was it? I was no closer to resolving my issue than I had been when I started the research. Worse, there was a sense of something missing, something not easily nailed down. And only three months to figure this all out. Come on, Nick, think. The stated goal was to understand why supposedly perfect love could go tragically wrong. I wanted to know if there were obvious warning signs on the entrance ramp to the freeway of romance, screaming, Caution! Dead end ahead! The official literature always gave the usual unsatisfying answers. I just knew there had to be something more, something deeper. My eyes drooped. There was no point in continuing tonight. I stood, stretched, and walked over to the chair for a moment's rest to freshen me up before tonight's festivities. At the outset of my doctoral work, I'd salvaged an old dentist's chair because of its odd, iconic coolness. It didn't fit in my apartment, but in a stroke of genius, I realized it would work great in the lab. It became my official test chair. When I found it had personality, I decided it needed a name. I wasn't feeling terribly creative that day. I settled into the chair and carefully readied myself to lean back. Despite my repairs on the chair, the old cautions were still there. Slowly, slowly I levered myself backwards until, at last, I was at just the right angle for comfort. Confident that it wasn't going to eject me again, I relaxed and peacefully closed my eyes. Five-minute siesta, and then I'd head on out to Ella's place to calm her down and watch the celebrations. Nobody should ever unexpectedly surprise a grad student grabbing a nap. Before I knew it, I was on the floor in a heap, the knock on the door banging in my head. I was on my feet the next moment, regretting it as my head swam. I peered through my haze to see who else was crazy enough to have not escaped the psychology building before closing time. When my vision cleared, I noticed a slender young woman, a full head shorter than me. She looked like a supermodel, ready to step into a board meeting of a Fortune 500 company. I suddenly felt awkwardly bedraggled, and more than a little stupid, knowing that there was no way she had missed my accident. So much for some rest. 
I turned on my best version of nonchalance as she stepped through the door. I paid no attention to her smooth auburn hair pinned up just above the nape of her neck. I glanced at her ginger eyes, only in furtive motions to eliminate any chance of staring. I utterly ignored the sweeping jawline beneath her perfect cheekbones. I was accustomed to having attractive women around. The campus was chock full of them. No pretty face had ever distracted me from my love for Ella. I nearly jumped when my heart began to race as she started walking toward me. Retest element of surprise on response to stimuli. Dr. Karen? she asked politely. Please just call me Nick, I said calmly. I'm not done with my dissertation yet. She smiled demurely, which is what I was hoping to hear. They told me I'd find you here. I'm sorry I had to come so late, and on a holiday no less.'